Hey, everyone, welcome to Private Parts. Giddy up, listeners. Giddy up where? Giddy up. Just giddy up. If you're on a horse, giddy up. Mm-hmm. I'm tired today. Do you know what? Hey, listen, we speak about this at the top of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to tell the, the guys you're tired. That's just complaining. I like, Start it again. I'm, I like you. Unlike you, sorry. I'm, like me. I'm honest. Yeah, but... You, I, don't, I don't hide behind a facade. It's not hiding behind a facade. I'm being honest. Look, guys, I'm tired. I think... Perfect. I think um, some... I was starting to say this on the podcast, but we got cut off by a fire alarm. I think some, some prospectors have found... Uh, black gold underneath my <laughs> apartment. The drilling that's going really? on. I think I think I think I think they found oil. There's <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis is out there going, "We're going to need more men." <laughs> <laughs> they were they were drilling at like six <laughs> inches. <laughs> like, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Saying that sentence is so scary in any situation. <laughs> we're going to need more men. <laughs> <laughs> you say that was so fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, nothing's good. working. We're going to need more men. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie says it to me normally. We're gonna need more men. <laughs> but it's, it's the worst when like building works or road works happen outside your thing. Mm-hmm. It's just ah, oh, terrible for a hangover. So they have no respect. Wait, are you hungover today? <laughs> no, I'm not. But it will be. Halloween. <laughs> You're preempting. Yeah, because pre- oh, yeah, Halloween's coming up. It's gonna be. It's gonna be hellish. <laughs> You're you preempting. Your yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. I, I, I don't know. Actually, I might. I might. Hey, I might uh, abstain this Halloween. Hey, listen. Have you um, ever watched Fire Festival on Netflix? No. What's that? Tell Fire me. Festival tell documentary. Okay, I'll tell you about it. So basically, Fire Festival was perceived as the world's greatest ever festival ever. We had models being flown over there to do a big kind of video recording about how great it was going to be. Fire Festival is a thing that changed the government rules to say that you have to do hashtag ad. If an influencer on Instagram or social media, you're, you're posting an ad, at the end you have to say hashtag ad. Right. That Fire Festival changed that because it was false advertising. These models were paid to go over there and promote this fire, this festival that was happening when it wasn't even the festival they're promoting. They're just promoting something random. The whole so thing they, was they used lie. they used Instagram models influencers to sell tickets to rich suckers, pretty much. How, yeah. many, how many did you buy? Uh, uh, do you know what? I nearly bought tickets? I fucking knew. You oh wow! It's a festival. Yes. It's going to be fun in the Bahamas. It sounded great. Oh, and fucking Kylie Jenner. Kylie Jenner. Kendall Jenner. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie Jenner. Wait, is that <laughs> yeah? Sorry. Kendall Jenner. Ken- Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner was there. I'm going to I was like, um, oh, I'm going to hook up with one of them. Kylie Minogue. She. <laughs> Kylie Minogue. <laughs> So um, anyway, the, so big fire festival thing. It was huge. It, they made a huge documentary. I watched about documentary. It. It's, uh, it's in, intense. And I heard, you know, the thing, the thing why they got all the footage to the documentary is a production company called Fuck Jerry. Um, Crispy Shorts. Crispy Shorts. Oh, so there's a little bit of banging going on somewhere, but don't worry about that, Sorry, guys. Right. So Crispy Shorts. Um, Crispy Shorts. Basically, they were paid to shoot everything mm. for the fire festival. Right? They were paid to shoot absolutely everything, and. They then went to get paid by Billy McFarlane, who was the CEO of it. And Billy McFarlane couldn't pay them, and he was being taken to jail because everything was a failure. And so they said, fine, we'll sell it. And they sold it to Netflix as a documentary. For $90 billion. They probably made a fucking fortune. Yeah, and now Netflix is one of the the biggest stream documentaries on Netflix. And we have Andy King, who was the producer, was the main um, organizer for the whole event. And he's on the podcast he today. Was, he was heavy on blowjob guy. He was heavy on blowjob guy. You will yeah. remember it. Well, unless you haven't seen the documentary. Unless you haven't seen the documentary and then maybe watch it. Maybe watch it after the podcast. Watch it after the podcast. Or pause the podcast now and go and watch it. 
So many stories. Yeah. He's amazing. He, he, yeah, listen, we sit back, relax, get ready for storytelling, because here we go. It is a Private Parts episode with Andy King. Ooh. Remember to subscribe and write a comment in the notes below if you like the podcast. But only nice ones. Only nice ones. we're fragile. Mm. Yeah. All right, here we go. Enjoy the episode. So before we kick things off, um, and do, do you do you sleep well? Mm. Yeah. See, see, I there you go. I knew it. you can relate straight away. I don't sleep well. You don't? No. 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 no we have I, a beautiful bed at our hotel, which I, we've been sleeping very well. But and we have a great bed at home. But I don't know. My sleeping pattern hasn't. My my bed is beautiful, but my mind is not. There <laughs> that's, it is. That, it's that's just the problem. Always going. I mean, my bed used to be my sanctuary. It was always like, and nothing could stop me from. Yeah, sleeping. I want to. I want to. Really? So it, your, your bed was your sanctuary as well. So that's my, a place where. <clears throat> well, it was. You know, welcome to the world of Andy King, where you know I'm hosting these events all the time, and I'm on all day long, on until like I crawl into bed, and then I'm off. And that used to be how I was for years. Now I crawl into bed and I'm not off still. I'm like, oh my God, okay, oh Jesus. Oh, what, what's, what's, oh, what's keeping your mind going? Is it your phone, do you reckon? <sighs> it could be. I mean, what do you maybe... mean your phone? What do you mean? <clears throat> oh, the phone, that's what keeps me up a lot of the time. Even, even, yeah, no, but... well, I don't. I mean, I'm always, I have, I have two porn things I do. Two um, porn things? Porn, yeah. <laughs> porn hub and you <laughs> porn. I do. I do boat porn, so I'm always shopping for these beautiful old antique boats, you know. And then I do house porn, so I'm always looking at houses to buy somewhere. You know? Jamie, what are your what are your two pawns before, <laughs> before you go to sleep? Yeah, mine is uh, glory holes. <laughs> Pawns go; those are pretty expensive. I know. I mean, you, searching for boats at night and houses at night isn't like a. Well, I'm always looking for the deal. It's like, oh my god, okay. no one else is going to be up at two a.m. I'm like, oh, I'm telling you, look at this boat. Listen, it's just gone on the market. And, it's a hundred years old and it's a wreck, Andy. No, no. You're about next to. One. You're about to come. Swipe. Yeah. Oh God. Swipe to the next. It's like Tinder for boats. No. That bitch. No, no. She's going to be very expensive. And I always pick the ones that need the most work. Or I like old boats. You know? Oh, you so feel like you can fix them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Well, and they're clat. You know, they. I, I, as I'm like the king of sustainability in the event world, I have to sort of continue that brand in everything I do. And so I can't like buy a new beautiful super yacht. That would be like my man Leah, who's always on a super yacht, then he gets yeah. a lot of backlash. Yeah. So I'm like, no, 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 no. But I could buy a really old boat and just say, I, you know, we restored it and we brought it back to life. And it's all about repurposing and reclaiming. And But that's quite a nice journey. My dad's <clears throat> actually doing that at the minute. He bought a, like a really fucked up old boat. But it's really and, expensive. It's and really he, he's just been living that. on it and, and rebuilding it himself from nothing. <laughs> See, that's cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but is, it, is it cool? Because I feel yeah, like... Yeah, I think like... that is cool. Well, rather than getting like a, a gym palace that you've <clears throat> spent a load of my, yeah, money on. And... My dad has a catamaran that he keeps in... Croatia. Well, well, my dad's. Got- <laughs> yeah, my dad has a tennis court. <laughs> my dad has three houses. Um, but he does. He has a catamaran that's in creation. He, he, it, you're the same. Where he's obsessed with boats. He just yeah. loves. And I think perhaps when you get to, um, you know, when you're when you're in your older 
years. You quite like that because it's kind of sense of relaxment, serene, serenity, all that kind of thing. What he loves to do is he just likes to go out. He can be on that for months. And he now says to me the other day, he says he doesn't understand why when he comes back to London, he lives in London, he doesn't get it why we have all these things. Because on the boat, he needs nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, this is like I say to so many people, at the end of the day, <clears throat> excuse me, the one place, you know, that if I'm on my sailboat, and I mean, you put those sails up, you turn off the engine, and you just are one with the world. And I pour myself a little glass of wine or a little rosé or a nice drink, and just take a deep breath. It's unbelievable. That is I'm there a with luxury. You. I'm there with you. Yeah. I'm setting sail in my mind. It's a total luxury. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not realistic for most of the world. But, but, but also, but certainly, so you, you like boats and then houses, but because you, you, you said this before when we come upstairs, that you love, you, you're into design and things like that, so whenever you go to someone's house, you basically say, that doesn't work, that doesn't work, and they go, well, we just fucked up my whole house here, and now we have to change everything. You kind of do that in houses, don't you? Absolutely. I'm constantly going to people's homes and just saying, why is your sofa on that wall? They're like, it's always been on that wall. I'm like, it <laughs> why is your sofa on the wall? It's so wrong. <laughs> what is, how could something so right be so wrong? And they're like, well, what do you, what do you, th-? I'm like, it goes over there. I'm like, okay, move it, everybody, everybody move. Pick up your drinks. Andy says we're moving the sofa. <laughs> and you do. And, and you, they, and I do it. And at the end of the day, you know what? Four years later, like Andy, the sofa's still on the wall. You put it over there. It looks perfect. I reckon what has to happen is that when you come back to us, like, go, oh, we have to move everything back to what Andy said it was because he's going to get. He's going to get. Yeah. <laughs> Andy's <laughs> turned up drunk again. Uh-huh. Right. I think that chair should go <laughs> over there. Uh, that's a toilet, Andy. <laughs> yeah, let's start with a studio here. <laughs> yeah, you don't start with a studio. The computers have to go. <laughs> Computers have to Everything go. Everything has to go. Hey, so listen, Andy, so I, by the way, I'm a huge, um, huge fan of you. And I know all of our listeners right now are going to be psyched to have oh, you on. Because I don't you. feel like you, from what I understand, I haven't heard podcasts that you've been on before and things. Have you done many podcasts? Just a handful. Okay, so I a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. A load of them. Just a huge handful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I think only four or five, maybe. I don't know. I God, we're privileged. Yeah. Because, because what... Um, what people probably know you best for is the kind of uh, documentary mm-hmm. Fire Festival, which was on Netflix. What, what was that? I, Did I, you not catch I, that? I, one? I missed that one. <laughs> Did you not catch that? What one? went down? It, it's it, and all, for all for all of. I mean, you can explain to me for all of the listeners who don't know what Fire Festival was. How would you explain it to them? Well, they, you know, Netflix did an incredible job calling it like the greatest party that never happened. Mm. And it, you know, basically it's about... Jamie's sex life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. The audience like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah. you, God. Jeepers. <laughs> private parts. Yeah. There, private there you parts. go. Yeah, now, yeah. You, now you're getting into it. There but, we are. But it was, they called it this... The, the, it, Netflix, um, crazy about this festival that was put on, and it was meant to be the, the holy grail of all festivals. Yes, yeah, the first luxury music festival in the world. And it was a vision that Billy McFarlane, the young... I call him an entrepreneur. I'm trying to be nice, you know, now... Well, he's a crook. Was that was that the sociopath? He's Donald Trump Jr. But really? anyway, um, we don't have to talk politics here. But um, Billy had a vision, and I had worked with Billy on helping him <clears throat> build a company called Magnesis, which is a, bra- a black credit card company. Yeah. So you basically it was like an Amex black card, but you could just be you know, a marginal person or a loser and just have a, your 
Barclays Bank debit card, but you'd swipe it onto this card, which was beautiful and metal and you know platinum, and you could hear it hit the ground. And we were able to like develop incredible relationships with all the top restaurants in New York and clubs and um, art galleries and you know gyms and whatever, whatever. Mm. And it was sort of a privileged card, but it was like. 500 bucks a year or something like that. And what did the card do? It just, it, you could just it you get would, you into places. Yes. That was it. And maybe some discounts. But then um, Billy bought a brownstone um, in the village, not far from my brownstone, and I helped him decorate it. And we hired a butler and we did chef series and wine tastings. And so it was a kind of a concept of bringing like young kids who come to New York, they get out of university and they're working ungodly hours they really don't have that much time to meet anybody so this was like the, the, like a, a way to kind of like a club where you have this community now where mm. kids are meeting people constantly in all these events and so I I hosted 44 events for Billy for free um, that's one of my problems and um, <laughs> that was that was stupid <laughs> free yeah. one of my problems yeah, did he, did he give you a black card is that oh uh, yeah <laughs> Uh -huh. uh, but we can get you into Equinox. <laughs> there it is. Oh, we did. did a lot yeah, of yeah, negotiating yeah. Equinox. You get a free gosh. chicken at Nando's. Uh -huh. <laughs> but we, I helped him sort of grow the business from like 400 members to 15,000 members. And, wow. Um, that's a lot of members. It's a lot of members, yeah. 500 quid, uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good amount. Yeah. And then he opened up a, um, a Magnesis in Washington. I think they were you know, starting to do one in San Francisco. So they were starting to move these into different cities across the America and um, what was his? What was the motivation? What What is the kind of end game with that? Right. So what What is it? To he wants to sell. He wanted to sell Magnesis to a big credit card company for a big sum of money. So he was just you know because mm. the he was I obsessed think, with cash, right? That's that, oh, just, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And credit card companies, I think they struggle with um, getting that demographic, which are these young kids coming out of university that need a card, um, but they still don't have quite the amount of credit that they should mm. um, and then they're they're kind of they don't jump into it too quickly and so Billy was focusing on a demographic like a Visa and a MasterCard really wanted so they're like oh we have 15,000 people that we really want Billy has them we will pay a lot of money to absorb this membership and the concept and that was you know ironically that was the way that Billy got me to fire because um, he had made me a board member of the company and so he called me and I was hosting the World Cup Prem Ski Championships in Squaw Valley. And he said, where are you? I said, you know, I'm north of San Francisco. He said, well, I need some help. You know, I'm doing this music festival in the Bahamas and we're having some challenges. And I said, well, you know, well, I, I need a few days. He said, well, I'll send a jet. And that should have been like, what? That should have been just like warning, Slide warning, warning. But I'm like, oh, flags. jet. You know what? Billy's doing really well right <laughs> yeah. now. That's fine. A fucking jet to San Francisco. That's about 50 grand. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So he sent the jet, you know, and I arrive in the Bahamas and Billy was, you know, the original story was that Billy had, um, well, in, in, the, in that discussion on the phone before the jet arrived, he just said, you know, I bought Pablo Escobar's island in the Bahamas. And mm. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? And I knew the island because I grew up going to Exuma, which is where the festival actually ended up sort of not taking place. And um, so I knew a lot of the islanders and he, I said, Pablo's, but why Pablo's island? And he said, well, that's the largest private landing strip in the world, which of course it did mm. because of all the drug you know, yeah, dealing yeah, that yeah, went yeah, on. Yeah. But he never bought it, you know, and he was working with like leasing it from Pablo's lawyers. And 
nothing was ever done properly. And so they finally just said, listen, you know, you need to get your crew and everybody out of here. And um, so he went to the adjacent island Exuma, which is where he, you know, but I, still. That's I, where I love that Pablo was able to hang on to the island, even though he was a <laughs> drug trafficker and Don't dead. you love it? But yeah. it was his family. But it was his family. But Pablo Escobar's family still, they own everything of his. They do tours with his house. They basically just, you know. Making money with. Yeah. Off the back of his name. Drug trafficking is cool, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You laughs> It'll work out. It? You want to come see it? But, but okay, I want to take a step back as well. So, so what was your background? What were you, your background was creating events and doing events. Because how do you get involved in that and events and everything? So I, um, I started an event business in, uh, well, 1994, before anybody Great was year. born. Were you born that uh, year? 88, 88, I was, I was I born. I was 1990. You were 1990. I was four years old, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I'm 100 years old. <laughs> yeah, 103. That's my age. It's a good yeah. age. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm what well preserved. What are you drinking? Well, <laughs> no, I use, you know, Fixer Upper. What was that little TV show when she started her own cream line? That's why I look so great. Yeah, because that was a porn night where I, on the TV, and she said, buy this cream. You're going to look a lot porn. younger. And then Craig told me, you know, you get charged $100 a month on your credit card for that cream you bought once. It's been going on for about a year and a half. I'm like, what? But anyway, it really helps. But it's working. So yeah, yeah, I don't look 100. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for all those things. I, oh, what did, I, what did I put on my face the other day? I, 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 so, Bull semen. <laughs> I, would, I would honestly drink it. Yeah. If someone said to me, this is going to make you look younger, I'll do it. I saw a picture of Michael Douglas, and I went, he's my idol. That's what I, I want to have about four facelifts. And when I pick my kids up, when I'm old, I want to go, hey, kids. I just <laughs> run away from me. I used to get Botox in my forehead, but I haven't done it in about 20 years. But... Oh my gosh. Okay, so 1994. Yeah, take us back. I was profiled on the front page of the Wall Street Journal as America's first corporate concierge. And it was a concept that I had developed with a friend, and he had a database of anything you wanted to know about New York, where to buy it, where to find it, where to see it, where to eat it, where to do it. Pepsi had been um, lambasted and, and just uh, highly criticized in Fortune magazine and Forbes magazine as. <clears throat> one of the worst places to work mm. and that they just would recruit these amazing kids and then grind them in and grind them out and just mm. continue this process and so um pepsi struggled and like what how can we become an employer of choice how can we like attract great people and then retain them and boom so i went through um i was I'd written my first cookbook that year, and so I was sorry, home alone. Sorry, wait, hold on. I know. So, I do so, a lot of shit. So, so, like, so, you so, ask so, me about so, sleeping? So, I don't have time to fucking sleep. You guys are random tangents. Jesus. Sorry. Yeah. So you've got Elizabeth Ox, and you're running a cookbook. So you're, and then you're going on to do uh, yeah. working for then, Pepsi, right? Yeah. Cookbooks. And then, uh -huh. just quick, it's so funny. That's what business. It's, 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 so this is the 90s. Businesses still are struggling to retain people. That's just a constant Absolutely. battle with anything. And so this was like an in-house concierge service so right. literally you we, we designed a program where you could be more productive at work and happier at home because you get to work you're like it's the biggest project that i have in my career but the fucking bathtub won't drain upstairs my in-laws are coming on saturday it's my wife's birthday on sunday i haven't done anything so my kids they got a bar mitzvah next and i'm like they call me off sandy i'm like no problem because we'll have a plumber at your house at you know three o'clock on thursday Oh, it's your wife's birthday. Guess what? There'll be two dozen roses waiting for her. There'll be a limo out front. We got your reservations at the best restaurant. You're going to go see Les Mis. 
and you're going to look like the king of fucking China. And they're like, oh my God, you know. And I became like this miracle worker because I could call anybody. What? I would call. So I'd call. Yeah, but how do you what, get these contacts? Because I call just... the tape and I say, okay, listen, I need to get 10 very high level people in to see an exhibit that's not open yet. They're like, I'm sorry, Mr. King. And I'm like, well, um, let me explain doors. myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Pepsi's call for you. Yeah. And I represent 250,000 people. Have you read my cookbook? <laughs> <laughs> well, and so the Tate say, you know what? There are different times where we can't get anybody into this museum. But I represent all these employees at Pepsi who don't give a shit what time they go. They just want to get in there. And I'm like, they're like, how about, you know, 9 a.m. and you know two weeks on a Thursday. I'm like absolutely no problem. Where most people are like, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I'd love to come in at four and have a drink. You know, no, no. Pepsi employees didn't care. You know, and so then I'd call. You know, at that point it was, you know, uh, maybe it was Les Mis or it was Rent. I don't know some big Broadway yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And you well now let's call it Hamilton. You know, no one can get a ticket to fucking Hamilton. Yeah. On and on. Well, I can because Tommy Kill, the fucking producer, was one of my bartenders. Anyway, it's a whole other story. So, <laughs> so uh, it goes on and on and on. I love like how you breeze over things. Did they ever call you to ask for Coke? Coca-Cola, I mean. Oh, don't, don't. That don't. would have been controversial. I'm a Coke drinker. This is a problem. And I decided to have a fucking pool party at my house where, of course, you know, they're oh, like, no, they were paying me $3,000 a month. I went through nine weeks of interviews. They're like, no, 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 I don't think we're going to, you know, I don't think we'll hire Andy because, like, this job, you need to be able to relate to all levels of people. Well, guess what? Like, I'm best friends with the chairman of PepsiCo, and I am best friends with everybody in the mailroom. And that's who Andy King is. Like, no one, we are all the same on this planet. Mm. And that's been the beauty of my career. But here I am, you know, I'm like, I, I want to do something for all these hardworking employees. So I decided to have a pool party, forgetting that in the pool fridge is Diet Coke, regular Coke, you know, Fanta, you know, not a Pepsi product, but then a hundred miles. And of course, you know, the head of human resources for Pepsi, I'm looking up and she's like, I'm like, what? You having a heart attack in the pool house? She's like, the fridge! I'm like, oh no, not the fucking fridge! Quickly, I'm like dragging it out the back of the pool house. Anyway, so I, there I am, and I'm America's first, and it was, it just went Viral, but at that point there was no social media. But I'm on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. I'm front page of the New York Times. Front page of the New York Post. At Pepsi, he's the right one. Uh huh. Oh, you need a baby elephant for your daughter's birthday party? No fucking problem. I'll deliver it on Saturday. Like I had the animal rights people after me all the time because they had like porpoises and people, swimming pools. I mean, I could do anything because I had this buying so power. I could call anywhere and oh, I need wow. tickets. And they're like, sorry, we're sold out. I'm like, you know. I, you know, I, I represent Pepsi. I have 250,000. And that's, you know, there's a limo in front of my office. And wow. We want to take you to lunch because everybody, you know, there's a no solicitation policy, really, with all big corporations. You can't get in. You can't advertise. I was doing oil. You just drop your keys off at the desk in one of my concierges. Your oil's changed in your car. No. Uh, we had a trucks that would come in and pull into the back parking lot, change your oil, detail your car, and fuel it up, and you just pick up your key at the end of the day. We had, I had chefs making foods to go. You're like, I'm working day and night, but I got my four kids. I'm like, just stop by the dining room. Listen, there'll be dinner for eight or whatever. It'll be 25 what? bucks. That you know? mad. And so it went wild. And the challenge was, was that I began then speaking about this all across the United States. But there's only one problem. There's one Andy King. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find other Andy Kings that 
could relate to all levels of employees. It could, you know, go and make yeah, but things that's a happen. Yeah, that's a typical founder, right? That you, that, right. what happens, you don't How do you scale delegate. it? Jamie, right. yeah, Jamie cannot do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he's only good at relating with high level. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, oh, but, but that's, but that's, um, that's, a, that's a masterful way to be, you know, right? That you have to, you, you have to relate to every single person in those situations. What is the weirdest thing someone would ask you for? What came through and you were like, <laughs> okay, I don't know how I'm going to organize this. Well, this is, and this was like one of the reasons why I was profiled in the front page of Wall Street Journal. Is that you have like Ernie, and Ernie worked in the mailroom. You know, Ernie wasn't quite all there, but a really good guy. Been working there for a hundred years. One leg dragged behind the other. I don't know. But anyway, he was in the mailroom, and so one day he came by the office, and he's like, um, "Gosh, Andy, uh, um, can I talk to you?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, my mom lives in Florida, and um, she's uh, broken her hip." And she's stuck in her apartment, and there's no one can help her. And I'm like, God, Ernie, sounds money time. But, 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 but anyway, like, I'm trying God to organize an elephant orgy for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you, it's like Ernie, you, you sure don't need like theater tickets or something. <laughs> yeah. I can get you into any <laughs> restaurant. He's like, No, it's my mom. And I'm like, Oh Shit. God, I gotta go to fucking Florida and drag this woman off the ground and try to get her around. But you know, my family, you know owned a company in the insurance world and so I was able to make a few calls and find the insurance company that represented her and mm -hmm. then reached out to them and they reached out to a home health care service and and then the next thing you know there's a woman going in every day to help his mom and so he came in to thank me and started to cry and I was like oh my word and every day for two years the mailroom was about a mile away. I mean, the campus of Pepsi, you can imagine, is huge, the big corporate headquarters, and these huge sculpture guards. Every day, he came by my office on the way into work. Crying. To <laughs> Crying every day. To thank yeah, me. but that's, a, that's but amazing. That's so Isn't that incredible? But, and so there it was, because they're like, oh, Andy, you're only going to be in the executive office all the time. Are you fucking kidding me? No. And I could walk into the cafeteria, and everybody was clapping, because I'd have a driver or someone who worked at KFC, and they're like, gosh, Andy, you know, um, one... This is a story, like there's no story. One woman came in, and she's like the director of marketing at a very high level. And she's like, Andy. And she starts to cry. I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. And she's like, <laughs> people just crying. crying right? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, how was your holiday? You know, Jane? And she's yeah. like, well, I think I've spent the last holiday not knowing who my real parents are, and I'm hoping you can help me find Shut my up. parents. I was adopted. I'm like, Jesus, Jane. I mean, how about a restaurant for lunch? I mean, you want to go to Rams? I, you I think I'm rent. Jesus? I am not Jesus. And guess what? I fucking found her parents. Well, Absolutely. By, by knocking I found on doors. an agency in Washington, D.C. who finds the parents, the That's blood so parents funny. of adopted kids. And I mean, you would have thought I had like recreated the world for her. And she, wow. I mean, and within... 60 days she flew to meet her parents and they were in Seattle and I don't know, it was a huge, so there were amazing stories. But, but, but do you know what, that, Andy, there's a huge juxtaposition here because you're such like a people person, you're working these things, you, you're basically a fixer, right? That's what you yeah. do and you're a fixer in so many ways. Cut to years later when you're doing Fire Festival, it's the complete opposite. So that's completely against what you have been doing for the last 30 years and all these kind of things and doing that. Well, I thought. Well, you, you were trying to do it, but yeah. it just didn't work So out. we'll give one last good piece. So. The phone rings on my concierge desk, yeah. and someone says, oh, Andy, it's the chairman of uh, ING Bank. He's crying. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he practically was crying with me, that crazy woman. But anyway, that's another story. So, um, so he says, uh, you know, Andy, I'd love to, we've read about you in the Wall Street Journal. We'd love to have you come into our co new corporate office in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. 
and they sent a limousine and I go in and they said, you know, we would love to talk about implementing this concierge service to all our employees because we want to be the new investment banking firm. And um, so I said, okay. But they said, we'd like to have you start with, a, you know, your first big project. And I said, sure, what's that? You know, and as a cookbook writer, and one of the things I did as a kid through university and everything else is that I catered my first wedding and did all the food when I was 16 years old. And I didn't have my driver's license. You cooked at your own wedding. Oh, no, no. I catered a wedding for a friend. And it was 150 guests. And I did all the food. And my grandmother's chauffeur brought me over in the Cadillac. And we, you know, they're like, who the fuck is this person? Like, little Richie Rich. But I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a worker, you know. And I made all the food, you know. And that's what I, so I catered parties, you know, during the summers and when I was at university. So, and at Pepsi, you know, I'd have, I'd get a call. I have, a hundred Japanese, you know, tax people are coming in to, to the United States and we need to entertain them. And because of my power, I would make a call and I found an, an old loft in the meatpacking district of Manhattan. And I read that Elton John was coming into town and I called the broker and I said, listen, can I get a hundred front row seats and anything for you, Andy? And then I find out Jean-Georges is, you know, uh, coming out with a cookbook. And so I call and I get Jean-Georges to come and give, bring everybody a cookbook make the dinner for a hundred and you know, and so I could make anybody in any department shine. But that was like the size things I was doing, so like a hundred people. And so Lane, the chairman of ING, uh, says, well, we're going public on the New York Stock Exchange and we'd like to have a party and we'd love for you to host it. And I'm like, oh, okay. <clears throat> Must be so much fun. I said, <laughs> um, what's your budget? Now keep in mind, like I'd probably done party for like 150 grand, you know, mm -hmm. and he's like, well, <clears throat> He said, well, well, I think we've spent about two and a half million. And I'm like, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. Elephants, right? And then I'm like, I, and then I, I didn't know what to do. And I, I just finally said, well, are you flexible? And he's like, sure, we'll double the budget if you come up with some oh great things to Lord. do. And I'm like, and I bought my first fucking 60 foot boat with a commission from that really? one party. Wow. That one party. Really? And, you know, don't ask. Elton John perform at Tito Puente, you know, lowering from the ceiling. I had the Boys Choir of Harlem. And, I mean, it, it just goes on and on. Sounds like the, the glory days. The fireworks. Yeah. And then, I mean, here's one good story. I mean, so there I am. I'm the gay guy. But I'm the gay guy who, like, wears his Gucci's and has his Rolex and always is dressed well. And I don't come in the room screaming, you go, girl. And I don't make people uncomfortable. And I owned every trading floor of every bank because... I had this power and everybody loved me, but I'd come in and go, Jamie, like, what are you wearing? You know, and you go, what, you don't like it? I'm like, well, you know, isn't it your, isn't your wife's birthday? And you're like, yeah, I'm like, <clears throat> we need to go shopping at lunch. Okay. And you'd say, Jane, you know, block me at lunch because uh, Andy's taking me shopping. You know, oh, so I could, you just do that. So you would have this uh, personal relationship with so many All these traders. Yeah. And so, and they were, they were printing money in the nineties, you know, think of the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm. I hosted Oh, that one party I did for ING. Was it, was it wild? Was it wild? It was wild. Well, I had to do three parties for them. And then the first party was so successful. We did the second one. And then we did a fireworks display like no one had ever seen. And it stopped all the traffic on one side of Manhattan. And the next morning, the mayor's office called my office and said, we'd like to talk to Andy. And like, oh, what's going on? They said, well, Andy, you know, you stopped all the traffic. Like people got out of their cars. Like ambulances couldn't get anywhere. And we need to find you $100,000. I'm like, oh. Are you fucking kidding me? I've like, just bought a boat. Yeah, I just bought a boat. <laughs> I, just well, I can't boat. pay the captain now. I mean, how dare you? And so I'm like, oh my God. So I put my tail between my legs and I go to the bank and you know, I get out on the trading floor and he's like, Andy, Andy. I'm like, huh, well, I owe something. Peter, you know, head trader, can I see you in your office? And he said, sure. So we go and I said, Pete, 
whole problem. He's like, what? I said, well, the mayor's office called about the party last night. And, um, you know, you know fireworks are a little bit of an party, issue. Man. And apparently, you know, all the traffic stopped on the FDR drive. <laughs> and uh, they're fining us $100,000. He's like, don't move. Don't move. He opens the door. He's like, everybody, guess what? We stopped Manhattan last night. And now we're being fined $100,000. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I should have said they fined us a million dollars. They would have given me the check. You know? yeah. <laughs> so this was the start. And then from then on, boom, Goldman Sachs would call. Andy, how much did you spend on the party last night? I'm like, because they'd invite all these different bankers. I'm like, mm. Mm, can't say. A million? Mm-mm. Two? They, they want to like try Ooh. and top them. Always. No this way. went on God. for like 15 years. I mean, I made, I averaged like, like 250 grand a party. And it just, but back then, you know. We have midgets on people's shoulders, passing champagne. Like nothing oh, yeah. was right. I mean, everything was just. But it was it's fun. But it was so mad wrong. Opulence, yeah. <laughs> so wrong. It was just bad. And so and finally, just debauched as well. And it was just so much. It was just money, 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 money. Well, think then. of Leonardo DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, that was it. And there I was, the man hosting all the parties. And so, you know. So was that a good rep? Was it a good rep, or a, it was a good rep within that? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, I had total respect. And I wasn't, no, you know, whatever. I wasn't that bad. Okay, private partners. Now, uh, that is the end of part one. We didn't do that in the episode, hence why I'm doing it now, is because Andy was talking, telling just amazing stories, so I didn't want to interrupt him. So that's the end of part one. And stick around because we're going to be back for more storytelling with Andy King in part two. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.